Well, good morning, New Hope Church. How's everybody doing? <clears throat> All right, happy Memorial Day weekend. As you can tell, I swallowed a frog or something this morning, and uh, or got too excited in the first service. So my voice is struggling, but we will get through this morning. If we can get my mic up even higher so I don't have to talk as much, that would be helpful. Um, we are beginning a new sermon series today, and so super excited about that. Maybe down a touch. That's really loud. That's my son back there, so I'm going to mess with him today. a long morning. Okay, there we go. If we haven't met, my name is Ryan, the lead pastor here, and so glad uh, you're with us here, and uh, we can have some fun, get into God's Word, and, and learn together. So at a show of hands, how many of you have been in an awkward situation before? Yeah, it's every hand, right? We know exactly what this is like. We know uh, what it's like to say something, and we're like, oh my goodness, why did I say that? Or we do something, or, or, or we do something we think is totally normal, but then we look back and we're thinking, that was really awkward. I mean, right, those moments where it feels like middle school again, right? You know, the middle school dance kind of a thing, just everything is awkward, and, and, and we try to avoid those kinds of situations. You know, oftentimes when it comes to telling other people about our faith, it can feel really awkward, can't it? It can feel like, I, I, I want to do it, and, and I know I should do it, but between those two, I don't know how to get there. And I don't know how to get there in a way where I could overcome the fears that I face, and then the awkwardness of so often, that's what it kind of feels. It just feels awkward, and so we avoid it. In fact, I like what pastor and leader Francis Chan says. See if you can relate with this quote. He said this. He says, we love our kids, and so we talk about our kids all day. And we love our wives or husbands, and we talk about our wives or husbands all day. And we, and we love a sport, and we'll talk about that sport. But when we talk about Jesus, it doesn't just flow out of this natural, this is who I am. He said, that type of conversation, I understand it's politically incorrect to talk that way. But nonetheless, I think the biggest problem in the church is this awkwardness. We just don't know how to converse with people. We're scared to do it, and so what? We don't do it. Maybe you can relate with that. Maybe you can, you can resonate with that idea of, I'd like to do it. I'd like to be good in this area of my faith, but it just doesn't work well. Welcome to Awkward. Awkward is a three-week sermon series we're starting today. And in this series, what we want to do is talk about and give you tips and tools for how to share your faith in a natural way that doesn't weird other people out and also for you doesn't feel awkward, that it feels natural, kind of like a part of who you are and a part of your life. Because this is a really important thing. If for no other reason, I mean, consider this, that this summer at New Hope, this summer is really a summer of outreach, isn't it? I mean, now that the weather's nice and we can actually get outside, this is a time where we want to do things like this Friday. We have the summer break party, and, and it's going to be a ton of fun, and, and Lord willing, lots of people will come down and be a part of the time. A big part of the goal is that you and I get a chance to relate with people in the community, to show and share the love of Christ at the summer break party this Friday. Or how about Love Adele Day in June? Or we got VBS coming up late July, Sweet Corn Festival. We got a mission trip in there. There's all kinds of things that we're doing to show and share the love of Christ. And so in those environments, how do we do this in a natural way that works for you and is effective in relating with other people? That's our goal. That's what we're after here this morning. Now, I want to lay a foundational idea first. So if you have your bulletin, turn it over on the back side. And here's the foundational idea that I want us to hit as we jump into this three-week sermon series. There it is. That Jesus always has been, 
and always will be relevant. This is, this is true. I mean, I know we live in a post-Christian culture. I know we live in a time when fewer and fewer people, especially our younger generations, are going to a local church. That's all true. When we lived in Denver, my family and I, 8% of Denver goes to a church on a Sunday morning. Not 80, 8 it's aware of 92% of people, whether well, or not in church, but, but, and that's the culture we live in. But in spite of that, I want us to bring us back to this idea, though, but Jesus is still relevant. And Jesus is still something people are curious about. And Jesus is somebody that, that people, while they may not be able to label it this way, they're still searching for this. And the reason I know this is this. Here's why I know this. Because, because people have a void in their heart that they're trying to fill in lots of places and it doesn't work. That it's a God-sized void. That it's a void that only a relationship with Christ is gonna ever fill. And we know how this works. And maybe this is part of your story too, that we, we look for it in money, we look for it in success, we look for it in fame. We look in all these places to fill the voids in our life and then we find out at the end of it all, it actually didn't work. And this story happens over and over again with people that we know and maybe ourselves. Jesus is still relevant because Jesus is who we need as people. He is God's Savior. He is God's Son. And He is the one that we are built to love and to worship. I want to share this with an example here. It's a short video we're going to play. And if there's anybody in culture that I think identifies or, or is a picture of American success, it's Tom Brady. Love him, hate him, maybe he's ambivalent. He's a quarterback for the New England Patriots. And there was a video that he did, an interview after he won his third Super Bowl. So this was like 10 years ago, because he has like 15 Super Bowls now or something. I don't know what he has. But, but regardless, he's won his third Super Bowl. He's in his 20s. He has money. He has fame. He has success. He has all these things that we just esteem to and say, well, that's what it looks like to succeed. If anybody is fulfilled in this world, it's got to be him, right? Let's hear from Tom's words as he talks about his own life and his search. Let's go ahead and roll that. Can you go out to restaurants? If I have the energy to deal with, you know, put a happy face on, sometimes I don't feel like that. Now, you seem a bit the reluctant star. Well, the problem is it's, you can't have one without the other. You can't have the football fame and not the other stuff. So, in a lot of ways, I've created this myself. <laughs> it's what you always wanted. <laughs> You're right. You're right, it has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. The most eligible bachelor in America. Well, it's very flattering. Um, but at the same time, I don't think I sleep any better at night. Being that. No way. You mean like alone or not alone? Right? What did you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I love playing football and I love being the quarterback for this team. And... But at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. There you go. There's got to be more than this. He's searching. <clears throat> and this is why Jesus is still relevant. 
Because people, while they may not be able to identify it, they're still asking the question that Jesus is the answer to. This is really important. And, and so Jesus is something, again, people are curious about him. They want to know, know the difference that Christ makes in the life of a person. See, what happens oftentimes is it's not Jesus that people in our culture are opposed to. It's actually Christians. It's, Christ, it, it's us. And whether it's a picture of who we are as the church or Christians or, or it's, it's uh, people they've interacted with and met before in the past. But that's, that's what it is. In fact, it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's kind of a joke, but it's not a funny. Uh, it's been said that there are two reasons why a person is not a Christian. The first reason is because they've never met a Christian. The second is because they have met a Christian. And that's what it looks like. And so how do we, again, come to a place where we can lovingly, with honesty, with truth, share about Jesus with other people? Now, I want to introduce a question to you. Well, there it is on the screen. And the question, this question is so important. This is your next fill in the blank. This question is really what sets the tone and direction for everything about how you and I share our faith with other people. And here's the question, as you've already read. Is it your job to save someone? Is it your job to save someone? Is it, is it your responsibility that a person becomes a follower of Christ? Or is it somebody else's job? Is it your job? How you answer this question is extremely, extremely important because it sets the tone for everything. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that's where we're going to be this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you have a tablet or smartphone, go to uversion.com and follow along there. Now, while you're turning... I want to set the, uh, <clears throat> set the stage for this here. So um, the, the Corinthian church that Paul's writing to <clears throat> is a church that he planted. He started this church. And over time, though, this church, it just developed lots of bad habits. They were a church that was bent on destruction. They're an unhealthy church. And so Paul is writing these letters trying to help them get things right. One of the issues they have and they dealt with was division in the church, specifically around its leaders. The leadership there was such that Paul planted the church, but a guy named Apollos came in afterwards and was their current leader. And so the church was divided between Apollo and Apollos. Now imagine a scenario here at New Hope Church. Imagine, this would never happen, but imagine this, that here at New Hope, there was a group of people in the church that said, we love Pastor Tom and we're loyal to Pastor Tom. But imagine another group in the church says, well, you know, but we love Pastor Ryan. And so we're loyal to him. And now we're divided as a church. And let's, for fun, let's just keep going and say, you know what? None of them are all that cool in comparison to Pastor Jake. So we actually love Pastor Jake. And so we're on the Jake team. And so people wear colored shirts to match their team, right? The team Ryan, team Tom. And you imagine New Hope living this out. Well, that'll give us a glimpse of the Corinthian church. That's what it was like. And so Paul's writing to them, among other things, to say, this has to end. You can't, you can't be like this. So, so look what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 4. He writes this. He says, you are still worldly. Now, what he means here is, literally, this means you are still acting like immature babies. Kind of harsh. But he's like going after them here. And if you don't believe me, look at verses 1 and 2. I mean, this is what Paul's doing. He's saying, look, you... You're, guys, church, yes, you're, you're Christians. Yes, you love God. You're just not growing in your faith. I mean, you guys are stuck, and the way you're behaving is terrible. This is not okay. He says, you're still worldly. For when one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Apollos, oh, you're not mere human beings. 
What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Rather, they're only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, look, some are worshiping Paul, some are worshiping Apollos, but you have to understand something. Paul's saying, look, Apollos, who's your current pastor, and Paul, who started the church, they're just servants, just like you. I mean, they're just, they're just servants of God, and they're being used by God to complete a specific task. It's the same for you. It's the same for me. That in many ways, you and I are like chess pieces in God's hand. And so he takes us as chess pieces, and he moves you into a spot that says, look, I want you to complete this task for this time. This is the work I have for you. I'm calling you to this. Does it make anybody great for that matter? It's rather a task that we have. We're all servants. We're all assigned to a specific task. Our job is to complete that task. Let's keep going. Verse 6. He says, look, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God is the one that made it grow. So neither the one that plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. This is really the centerpiece here. In fact, if you get nothing else, I want you to understand this big idea. In fact, here's your next fill-in-the-blank here this morning. Here it is. Next fill-in-the-blank, it's this. That it is not your job to make sure someone is saved. It's not your job. And I think this morning, for some of us, we need to fire us from this idea. We need to fire ourselves from this idea that it's my job for the person I'm praying for, the person I'm sharing with, the person I hope eventually someday comes to know Christ. We need to fire ourselves from this idea that it's my responsibility to make sure that they become a Christian. So if it's not my job to do this, because why is it not my job? Well, because you and I can't save anybody. This is God's job. Remember the verse we just read? Apollos, you know, one watered, one planted, but God is the one who made it grow. This is, this is God's job. God is the one who brings life. It's his job to save people, not you and I. So then the question is, okay, fine, so what's our job? Well, here's our job. Next fill in the blank is this, plant and water seeds. This is our job. This is what you and I, we get to do, that we get to plant and water seeds. So in many ways, it's this picture that we have that, that we come and we have seeds and uh, grab this from home. This is actually jalapeno, so nobody wants this to grow. But nonetheless, you got some seeds, right? And so the idea is you take seeds, you take the seeds of, of what? Well, the gospel from scripture and, and, and seeds of not only the gospel, but the gospel worked out in your life. And you take that and you plant that into people's lives, and then you take, and there's, oh great, there's water in here. So then you, you pour the water, right? And so you put that in. And so you've, you've planted and you've watered. And, and, then, and then what do you do? Well, you wait. And you watch and to see if it's going to grow. If some of you have gardens right now, maybe you planted around Mother's Day, you're doing this right now. Stuff may be starting to grow. We do this at our house. Every day we go out to the garden and we're like, look, is there something there? Is there something there? And that's ah, a weed. Okay, great. And that's growing, right? But we're still waiting. Like little stuff starting to come, but you let it grow. Now, now, pay attention to this. If we feel like it's our job to save people, then here's what we're going to tend to do. We're going to plant and we're going to water. And then what we're going to do is we're going to think that somehow we have something to do with life happening there with those seeds. 
And so what we might end up doing is we might yelling, we might start yelling at our garden, right? Plant some seeds, put some water in, and just like, come on, you gotta grow. Like, what's your problem? We do that. Well, we hope we don't do it with our garden, but we do that with people that we share our faith with. Or maybe we have this idea that I need to give some kind of motivational speech, right? I need to get in there and just pump up those seeds and you can do it and you can grow and two, four, six, eight and some kind of cheer and, right? And you think if I give a motivational speech that somehow my seeds are gonna germinate and they're gonna grow. But we don't do that with a garden, do we? We plant, we water, and we let God do what only God can do, bring life. We wait, and we trust him. And we, and we say, God, you know what? All the, all the yelling at my garden and all the motivational talks and all the pressure I put on myself to make something grow, it doesn't do any good. I plant, I water, and for us, spiritually speaking, I pray, and I wait. And I wait on God to do what only he can do. And as we do this, I want to just call this out too. Sometimes it's a misunderstanding, is we have these different roles. And I don't know about you, but in my life, God has had given me opportunities to, to plant seeds in the lives of other people. And what I mean by that is to introduce them to Jesus, to share the gospel message. And maybe you have too. And I've had opportunities along the way to water in people's lives, meaning to explain the gospel in their lives. And then I've also had opportunities at other points in my life, and maybe you have too, where I get to be there and harvest, meaning I got to be there at the end and lead somebody to faith in Christ. It doesn't always happen, but, but I've had those opportunities, and maybe you have too. So here's my question for you. As you think about times you've had the opportunity to, to plant, to water, or to harvest, which of those three roles is most important? The answer is all of them. They're all important, aren't they? Planting is important, watering is important, and harvesting is important. But sometimes we have this idea that if I haven't been able to be there and God hasn't called me as his servant for the task of harvesting and leading somebody to Christ, I think that I am failing in this area. This feeling of, well, I've never led anybody to Christ. Or I've, I've, you know, I, I did once, but that was like back in the 80s and I don't know and how to, how to do it anymore. And so clearly I'm either terrible at this or I'm so unfaithful at this and you just, we kind of beat ourselves up forgetting that the a process of sharing our faith with other people, it's a process of planting and watering and harvesting. And that God uses us for specific tasks at specific times in the lives of specific people. Again, like the chess piece. And so people come into Christ, it's oftentimes a communal enterprise because God will use lots of different people in their lives at different times to help them understand who Jesus is and ultimately to say yes to him as Lord and Savior. And so what do we do? Again, we plant, we water, we pray, we wait, and maybe you'll have that moment where you get to lead somebody to Christ. But that's what it looks like. And when we do this, here's what I hope happens. I hope that this idea that we fire ourselves from the idea that it's our responsibility to save people, what I hope this does is bring us to a place where we can go and relax. Relax. And don't put so much pressure on ourselves day by day as we think about telling other people about Christ. And what this will do is help remove a lot of the awkwardness 
So as we close, I want to give you a couple different principles to help us think about, like, how do I, what do I do with this and how does this work in daily life as we think about sharing my faith in a way that isn't awkward and understands that I have a job to plant and to water, but God is the one who makes things grow. Here's next fill in the blank, and here's the first of two principles pretty quickly as we, we close this morning. It's this. Remember, you and I need to remember that all seeds require different lengths of time to grow. Did you know this? Seeds are not all the same. In fact, if you had radish seeds and you planted radish seeds, those are going to germinate very, very quickly. But other seeds, like the Chinese bamboo, take upwards of like a year. That's a long time to wait. Now, there's probably lots of reasons for that, but here's one reason for that. And that has to do with not all seeds have the same shell density. Some seeds have very soft, uh, soft coverings or, or shells, and other seeds have very hard coverings or shells. And I love how this kind of works out, God's spiritual principles and nature. Because you know what it is a reminder of? Is that the people that we love and interact with and we share our faith with, their hearts are not all the same, are they? Some people you share Jesus with, their heart is soft, and they're receptive, and they're ready. And you have one or two conversations, and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I see it. Like, I'm ready to have faith in Christ. And there's other people that we interact with, and it's like, there's just nothing seems to penetrate. Well, the heart is harder. It's in a different place. And so God just has to do more work on their heart in order for their lives to be turned over to Christ. I love how it says this in 2 Timothy, you don't have to turn, or 2 Peter, you don't have to turn there, but look at this scripture here. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, God is patient. Aren't you glad? God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What that means is, is in God's patience, he is ministering. He's working below the soil. We don't see it. He's working below the soil to soften the shells or the hearts of people that someday, see, a seed germinates when water penetrates the cell. Likewise, that God's word can penetrate that heart and God is working on those hard hearts. Sometimes it just takes time. So what do we do? We keep watering, we keep planting, we keep praying, we keep waiting, waiting on God. Here's a second principle as we begin to close. It's this, next fill in the blank. The amount of water is critical. I mean, you know how this goes. And so we, we, we plant some seeds and, and we go and we go to water and all of a sudden we, we, we splash a little water in there and that was back in 1978. And then we, here we are in 2019 and we're like, what's changed? Sometimes we don't water enough. Sometimes, just like in gardening, I mean, you got to give it some water so it can get started. Sometimes we just don't water enough. And again, how that translates is, is that when we, when we interact with people, we kind of have one encounter or one conversation about faith, and then we never revisit it again. Uh, but how about this one? Sometimes we water too much. Sometimes we're just, it's, it's too much too fast. And we just take this and imagine just dosing it over. I mean, just, it's just filling up. See, seeds need to be damp and not soggy. Too much water, it's actually not going to germinate. And sometimes we have to remember that people need to hear about issues of faith in doses. Coming on too much, it cannot be beneficial. Or how about this idea? If I could figure out where a hose is up here, I would have brought a whole hose with water and sprayed you all down here this morning. But here we've got the spray nozzle, right? And sometimes for some of us, because of our personality, we come on and we are way too aggressive. 
And if this was on jet stream and we come in and, psh, and we're just nailing people and blasting people and it's just over and over and it's too much and people are saying, back off. Talk about awkward conversation. See, the amount of water is critical. Sometimes we don't do enough. Sometimes we do too much. Sometimes the pressure is way too hard. So goodness, so what do we do about that? Let me offer you one last tool that you can use. And it's a way of thinking about how to share your faith naturally without the awkwardness. There it is. I want you now to think about conversations instead of presentations. I want you and I to think rather than, than thinking that I've got to have the pressure of putting together a presentation. I'm going to come and I'm going to sit down and pull out a chart and, and a whiteboard and have diagrams and scriptures and, and they're going to sit down, they're going to listen and then they'll pray to receive Christ and it's all good. And we think about a presentation. Not there's anything wrong with that necessarily, especially if they're asking, but in the course of life, it just doesn't work that way, does it? In the course of life, what you tend to find is that when we interact with people and we're planting and watering, we're going to have much more success sharing our faith naturally when we're thinking about just having conversations with people. In that way, in natural ways, we're talking about the difference that Jesus has made in our lives without the awkwardness because it's just part of the flow of conversation. I want to share with you a verse that, that Paul talks about that highlights this, I think does a great job. It's one of my favorite verses in all the New Testament. But it highlights this very principle here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Now, Paul is writing this to a church in Thessalonica, a church, again, that he planted. So he showed up and he, he spent time with them and people came to Christ and eventually a church was planted. Now, Paul is sharing with them, this is my strategy. When I came to you and, and, and we as a team wanted to share and introduce Jesus to you, this is how we did it. Here's his grand strategy. He says this, we loved you so much. This is important because this is the motive that it came out of. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you two things. Not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because you had become so dear to us. This is what he says. He said, look, when I came to you, I was so excited. We as a team, we came, we were so excited out of love for you to share with you two things. We shared scripture with you, the truth of who Jesus is, the good news gospel that Christ came for sinners like you and me. We came in, we presented that, but we also, you know what we did? We, we just opened up our whole lives to you. We just came in all honesty and sincerity and said, this is who we are. I'm Paul, and I'm just a guy, and I got a story just like you. Can I tell you my story? Because my story goes like this. Not only was I not a Christian, I hated Christians. I killed Christians. I imprisoned Christians. I was, I was de determined to eliminate the local church, and then one day I met Jesus. He changed everything. He shared his story, didn't he? What I love about the idea of having conversations instead of presentations is that it's not a one-way conversation. It's a two-way dialogue. And it's not only about just inviting people to church it's also inviting people to dinner. And it's sitting down with people and just tell me about your upbringing. Tell me about your life. What do you do now? What do you do for work? What are you excited about? What are your hopes and dreams? What are the things that keep you up at night? You get to know the people and they get to know you. And in that, so, in that setting of conversation, you have an opportunity in a natural way that's not forced and awkward and weird just begin to talk about the difference that Jesus has made in your life. 
kind of like Paul in Thessalonica. You can share, yeah, you know, my life was going this direction. And I was struggling with this and struggling with that. But one day I met someone. His name is Jesus. And he changed everything about my life. Can I tell you more about what that looked like? That's what it looks like. Banjas, come on if you would, please. Think conversations and not presentations. So here I want to close with a question. Who in your life today, who in your life today, does God want to use you to do some planting and some watering? Who do you know? Who, who, who do you work with? Who do you live by? Who do you go to school with? Who, who's in your life, family and friends? But who are these people in your lives that God is saying, you know what? Just like that, that divine chess piece, kind of, not the word divine, but that divine interaction where he takes us as his chess piece. He says, you know, for such a time as this, I'm going to have you interact with this person. And look, don't make it awkward. And don't put pressure on yourself because it's not your job to save them. But I'm going to put you in their lives to do a little watering, a little planting, have some conversations. Be patient. I'm not in a hurry. Who is that in your life? I'd encourage you to, even in your bulletin right now, you can write down some names of some people. But in just a second, I'm going to give you and I some space to pray. And you know them by name. But who does God place you around? Who do you have an opportunity to interact with? And so let's go ahead and do that now. Let's go ahead and take some time to pray. And we're going we're gonna to pray and then uh, we're going to worship together. But would you just, in some time of silence now, just, just you and God talking, would you go ahead and pray about, uh, for these people by name? that you know that God could use you in their lives. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning we're lifting up to you names of people that we know, people that are in our lives, people that you have not accidentally, place us around. And Lord, this topic is a really big deal because like we saw in the video today, there's people that they have that void and they may not know how to express it or articulate it, but we know it's only found, it's only fulfilled in, in you. And so Father, would you help us to have not only the courage, but Lord, in our thinking to approach people with having conversations I pray that in those conversations that you would give us the ability to share not only, not only the gospel, but our lives as well. I pray that you'd help us to do this, Lord. Help us to do this in the lives of the people that we have identified, that we know and care about. That's your name we pray. Amen.